That may be the biggest screen I've ever seen. Hello, this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. There are 178 laws that differentiate on the basis of sex. Cometh the hour, cometh the woman. On the basis of sex tells the story of the inimitable American lawyer Ruth Bader Ginsburg's tearing down of discrimination on the basis of sex. Mr. Coxman? What can I do for you? It's about your son. And the trailer to Cold Pursuit has Liam Neeson seeking revenge. But there's something about this one that looks like it will separate itself from taking one, two and three through 500. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but neither of those. Luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell both have. Now, as always, we've got a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass to give away a little later on. But first... I want to be a lawyer. I want to represent clients in pursuit of justice. So they're going to give you a corner office? I wasn't what they were looking for. One said women are too emotional to be lawyers. Another told me a woman graduating top of her class must be a real ball buster. The world is talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's from New York. She's a Supreme Court justice, only the second woman to sit on that bench. She's often held aloft as the leading light of the left. And she is 85 years old. So if she passes away before that orange thing leaves the White House, he will get to hand another judge a lifetime job at the Supreme Court. The point is, RBG and her lifespan are playing quite a crucial part in American politics right now, to the point that she had a small fall in her office a few months ago, and the American media collectively lost their minds. Last year, there was a very successful documentary about her, the notorious RBG. There are biographies and autobiographies, and now a motion picture that chronicles her attempts at the, her attempts at the destruction of discrimination on the basis of sex. Oh yeah, my girl, RBG. In the house. (laughs) This woman is incredible. I was so excited when I heard this movie was coming out. So it's about her early life and her career and into her family life as well and how she becomes only the second US Supreme Court justice. It's a bit of a slow burner. Yeah, second female. Yeah, they've had a few. They've had a few men. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so when she enters Harvard University, which is when we start with a movie, She's one of nine women in this law school and they've just been allowed to enter. And right from the get-go, we see the amount of sexual discrimination that she has as a woman. She's so out of place, but she puts her head down and studies. She studies twice as hard as well because her husband, played by Army Hammer, who's the year above her, gets really sick and she has to do his study as well and they're raising a family because it's still traditional values. She still has kids and things like that. And so both of them have to struggle against these gender stereotypes because he ends up staying at home more with the kids. He loves to cook. So, yeah, they're both just really revolutionary people. I don't know if you found this as well, but after the screening when everyone was talking, my girlfriend said she kind of even low-key loves the bits at the start that are kind of offensive to women because you know they're going to get their own <laughs> later on. She's like, I kind of love yeah. it. Well, there's a great scene in the trailer. Who plays the like the university? Is it Sam Elliott? Sam Waterston, Sa- I think. Sam Waterston, that's yeah. his name, yep. They're all kind of... I always get the all the plot, Sams <laughs> confused. Yeah, he's from Grace and Frankie. Yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like every CSI, I think, <laughs> yeah. isn't oh, he in all okay. of those? <laughs> like it sums it up perfectly. He's got this line. Well, we could probably actually just play that bit from the trailer. Welcome to Harvard Law School. Ladies, let's go around the table and report who you are and why you're occupying a place that could have gone to a man. I'm Ruth Bader Ginsburg. My husband is in the second year class. And why are you here, Miss Ginsburg? to learn more about his work. 
so I can be a more patient and understanding wife. That's what you're talking about, like exactly. that response mm. almost immediately. Yeah. yeah, and this movie has yeah. quite a few of those moments. The like, a, yeah, you go kind of moments. <laughs> so this is the trend I've discovered. Mm. This was written by Ruth Bader Ginsburg's nephew. Yeah, and there's a weird trend right now. Have you noticed of family members writing the films? Like Tony Vallelonga's son wrote Green Book, yep. and then even in like Flynn was his grandson wrote that. Yeah. It's like this weird thing where Hollywood's just like, yeah, right. Is in like Flynn up for Oscars? I don't know if that was uh, <laughs> on well, the same level. But I think for that reason, it's not like a super in depth look at her. It, it's I imagine quite, it's not very critical. No, no, it's, it's quite on the level. Mm. In the same way that like Bohemian Rhapsody isn't the deepest look at Queen. But obviously, if you're, if you, <laughs> no, it's not, is it? No, <laughs> but it has all the moments that you love. But is you know it sycophantic, or does it have some measure of? Well, actually, when I first started watching this, Ruth's character is very uh, timid. I guess, even though she went to law school, she's never been in front of a court before. So. The main narrative of this film is her doing her first case that she wins. It's this man who's been taking care of his sick grandma, but because he's not married, he doesn't get any benefits because males aren't recognised as primary carers. So this is her first case that she wins and goes on opening the floodgates to more sexual discrimination cases. So the character study of it is makes it easier to follow because it's just one part of her life, see a little bit of her growing up and everything. Yeah, I kind of was annoyed by her character because she wasn't very forceful yet, but it shows you how she became the powerful force that she is now. Who plays Ruth Bader Ginsburg? So it's played by Academy Award nominee Felicity Jones. Yeah. So fun fact, up until just before it shot, like maybe six months before it shot, this was Natalie Portman's like passion project. Yeah, right. She was always going to play RBG. What happened? Uh, I, I, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows what goes on in Hollywood? But she dropped out and then Felicity Jones took over, who you might remember from Rogue One. Yeah. Or she was also Stephen Hawking's wife in The Theory of Everything, in which she got her Oscar nomination. But uh, you know what? I and how also, is she? She only had six months to prepare. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's fantastic. She's always, she's really, as an actress, like really like, Effortless to watch. Mm. You know, there's there's certain actors that you can see are kind of putting on a shtick or, or whatnot. Felicity Jones just always seems very, like, natural. And I think for a character like, or not a character, a person mm. like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you don't want a caricature. You do, Like, you want someone that feels real. Especially if that person is still alive. Exactly. Like a lot of people yeah. do yeah. characters yeah. of people that are dead and you kind of just maybe watch some videos but I hope that she would have seen a lot of footage, maybe well, met she, Ruth she, she Bader met her, yeah, yeah, she did, yeah. Excellent. Uh, also, uh, I thought that Army Hammer, who plays her husband, was also really good mm. as like a really gentle, loving father. Yeah. It's the role he kind of has gone into now. When his career first started with like the, the Vinkovos twins, wasn't he? And the, yeah, Lone, and then Ranger. the Lone Ranger. They were kind of tearing up to be kind of like an action star. And he's got yeah. the looks and the chops and everything for it. Yeah. But he's gone into these really sensitive, caring roles, which I think – he just excels at, and I really liked him. Also, Justin Trudeau, who hmm. the the former Thoreau. husband of Jennifer Aniston. Justin Thoreau or Trudeau, the no. Canadian <laughs> Prime Minister, or the actor, Thoreau. the the one more likely, the actor. Okay, yes, yeah, right. Uh, Although he... I'd love to see Justin Trudeau in a film. <laughs> he also has you the chops and the looks. <laughs> Gambo, Justin Trudeau, very attractive man. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so is Justin Thoreau. <laughs> he plays a uh, a lawyer. Good news is... for Justin's everywhere, actually. <laughs> 
he plays a lawyer that is helping Ruth kind of prepare for her big case. And he's a bit of a jerk, but his heart is in the right place. He's very cynical. Very cynical. But I feel like when he came on screen, he would steal the scenes from those kind of like preparing the meeting scenes as well. And I thought he's not in a whole bunch, Mm. but when he is, he really shines. Why shouldn't men be nurses? And if if women want to fight fires... pilots? Yeah, again, if women choose to take on these roles... Judges? Why not? CEOs, generals... What about garbage men? You want to be a garbage well, man? And if, if men want to be teachers or raise oh, children, on. percentages aren't the point. People Wrong. should be able to Wrong. pursue Wrong. their passion. You're screwing it up, Ruth. Have you, have you read the appendix attached You're to their the brief? Case. These are laws written by men who think we are privileged to be excused from men's obligations, but it is not a privilege, it is a cage, and these laws are the bars. So that's it? You're going to take them all on at the same time? Who directed this? Who's what's the rest of the crew? Mimi Leader, I believe. Yeah. Was, who I just remember from directing Deep Impact. Yep. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a jump, but she also did Pay It Forward, which is very oh, emotional. Right. That makes because I when it, when the credits came out, I didn't realize it was her, and I was like, yeah. not that, not the same one, surely. Yep, yeah. Yep. The same. Yeah. One. Both, no. both those films were quite a while ago. Yeah. She directs a lot of TV. I know she directs right. a lot of The Leftovers with Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Thoreau. Thoreau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The only slight criticism I would put of her directing is she does direct a lot of TV and sometimes it felt a little bit TV. What would you say characterises TV as opposed to a film? On TV, you've got a very short amount of time to make something so you don't have the time to do like big dolly shots or big crane shots and a lot of the time it ends up being kind of locked off shots, medium shot on you, medium shot on you and you cut between the two and you can kind of tell a TV show because they generally will stick to that format purely for time reasons. So then... Streaming mm. comes along, Netflix comes along with a budget, and suddenly TV looks like a film. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very slowly getting to that point now. Yeah, Netflix is a good example. Like Netflix, where it's a little bit better than TV, but it's still not uh, masterly directed. I mean, that's the thing. You're not going for to see you know, how well she's directed not a Marvel this dialogue. Film. No, yeah. you're going for the story of this incredible woman and how she came to be. And it's a real crowd-pleasing movie in that way. It's giving you all those moments mm. to kind of yeah, put your fist in the air, like, yeah, go on. Yeah, it's what you expect from a character drama. And also the way that it's paced as well kind of reflects the struggle that she had against the system. And so even as I was watching it, I felt annoyed by a lot of the characters <laughs> as well, as she does, as it's happening. Is it a hugely political movie? I mean, yeah. But, I mean, it's about a politician. Yeah, by the basis of about a politician. But it's also interesting, I think that if you made this movie five years ago, it wouldn't have the same cultural impact that it has now. And I think in this day and age where younger people are being more politically motivated and especially the last American elections where it was getting a, a lot more media attention as is Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself, that a lot more people are going to be interested in watching a story about how the laws have changed and how we as a society have changed from what it was. Or sometimes even how the laws haven't changed yeah. in, in really oh, scary gosh, ways. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Everyone talks about how her death is going to have a huge impact on American politics and the timing of it. So it's good to have a film like this, which is about the impact of her life yeah. Yeah. and what she did to affect American politics. Pay attention now. Yeah, and the fact that she'll get to see that. So who should see this film? I think the pacing and the the type of story it is feels like it would skew to an older audience, but because RBG's pop culture status, I think a lot of younger, more politically minded people would enjoy this as well. Yeah, and if you never caught the documentary and you still want to know about her, I Mm. think this is a great way to learn. Also in cinemas, The Hate You Give. A really good film about black rights in America. Ben is back. A drug-fueled thriller starring Lucas Hedges. 
and the front runner. Political drama with Hugh Jackman. Right, president. You can hear about all of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. What makes you think you can kill a man? I read it in a crime novel. I'm very honoured to be named Kehoe Citizen of the Year. I'm just a guy who keeps a strip of civilization open. When you drive the same road day after day, it's easy to think about the road not taken. I was lucky. I picked a good road early, and I stayed on it. Mr. Coxman? What can I do for you? It's about your son. Liam Neeson is back with a vengeance. That really is, unsurprisingly, back on the trail of revenge. The trailer features perhaps only second to... What's that song that's always in trailers? It's the one that's... Are you talking about like a pop song? It's like the American jangly guitars, Vietnam War. Oh, Oh, um... It's like a Creedence Clearwater Revival song. Fortunate Son, is it? Fortunate Son. (laughs) Maybe only second to Fortunate Son is... Bad Moon Rising, (laughs) which is in every trailer and is in this one as well because Liam Neeson is a bad moon rising. (laughs) And after the death of his son, he must track down and kill the gang members who killed his son. But normally for Liam Neeson, that spells drama, darkness, violence. This one seems a little different. Yeah, so we even saw this kind of early. We saw it the day before the trailer came out. So I hadn't actually watched the trailer and I heard the plot, which is Liam Neeson is just a good guy. He's a snowplayer on the Rocky Mountains. He's a citizen of the year. And then suddenly his son dies of a drug overdose. And he knows that his son wasn't a drug taker and someone must be behind it. And he goes and he seeks revenge. And I thought, that sounds like typical kind of Liam Neeson movie. Yep. And then I watched it. it's not it. love, actually, it's hardcore revenge. Yes. <laughs> he is always finding family members, getting revenge for family members. He's always doing mm. something with his family. And I thought that sounds like typical Liam Neeson stuff. But this movie is kind of insane in a really great way because it does not take itself seriously. It's almost got like a Fargo slant to it yeah. where it's like a pitch black comedy. But not knowing that watching it, it took me about 20 minutes to go, wait a minute. <laughs> I, th- what's going on here? <laughs> and not just because of the snow. <laughs> Liam Neeson, ever since Taken, has been on this kick of movies that are all funded through like the European government. And all these movies are set in like Belgium or set in France or anything like that. And I remember watching it being like, it's set in America. That's actually weird for Liam Neeson because normally he does these weird European tax write-off movies. <laughs> then I found out it's actually a remake of a, a movie from Norway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is directed by a Norwegian director. Right. I'm like, oh, maybe it is one of those uh, European tax write-off movies. Which is why it's so left of centre, because I know a lot of those Scandinavian movies do things a little bit differently, Mm. Um, not so much the American style of humour or directing that you would see. And so this original movie, it was from 2014, called, well, in English, In Order of Disappearance, and it had Stellan Skarsgård in it. Basically exactly the same plot. The gangs are a little bit different. And it makes me wonder why the director was just like, yeah, I'm going to make an English version of this movie. It's happened before, like The Grudge. They're just like, I want to... Make some money. I want (laughs) to reach a wider audience but in a different language, not making a different movie. I'll just use the same movie and just yeah. do it again. Well, you've already got a script. You don't <laughs> yeah. need to write a new one. <laughs> yeah, just need to translate it. <laughs> but this feels like, you know, I'm not going to see another Taken. Mm. I've seen that film. But this Three feels, times. Yeah, <laughs> many times. But this feels like for Liam ne- like to see Liam Neeson, because I love Liam Neeson, like, oh, this one feels like it's different. This one feels like 
I'm well, yeah, go. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I, I mentioned the Coen Brothers film Fargo, but also yeah. the Lady Killers, which was kind of a a black comedy about a bunch of guys mm. trying to kill an old woman. That sounds really depressing, but is actually weirdly funny and light. It kind of falls mm. into that category where it kind of makes light of a lot of these horrible situations in a really kind of taking the piss out of himself because he's the one that made all these movies. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And there's a scene where. It's a classic Liam Neeson scene. He's he's kind of he's killing a guy that's wronged his son. He gets him. The guy dies, and then suddenly he springs back to life, and he has to do it again quickly. It's like this little. <laughs> it, it it gives you the beat, you know, and then it'll just add a little ironic twist on the end. Yeah. Nels Coxman, Citizen of the Year. Good for him. It's kooky, I think would be the word to describe it. Because it's not zany or silly. It just has little moments that just come out of nowhere and kind of pleasantly surprise you. And I think because I wasn't expecting that, mm. I ended up by the end, I was so on board. Every <laughs> silly little thing yeah. that was happening, I'm like, great, I love it. Is that on top of a plot that is genuinely intriguing? I would say it's a standard action thriller plot. You know, um, There's a little bit of gang warfare, as you hinted to. His yeah. son's death, when he's finding out who sold his son these drugs or who planted these drugs in his son, he does kind of uncover this gangland turf war that's going on and inadvertently starts off a war between them. It is a little deeper than, say, taken, your daughter's been taken, go get her. <laughs> it's got a little mm. more than that, but it, it's not, you know, it's not the departed. There's a big shootout scene. So there's moments in it that you are going to be pleased by for genre fans. They're going to be satiated by the, the things that are in there, but it's also that little bit offbeat which is makes it that that point of difference. It's not just another remake. And if the Liam Neeson action films are your thing, it'd be worth checking this out because he stated that he thinks this will be the last action yeah, film. Yeah, is that he's true? Going to do. Well, he's he's getting old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's only. Is that like a John Farnham? Sort of Could LCD be. sound system <laughs> retirement, like a Paul Simon. This is my last tour. I'm only going to do gigs in New York from yeah. now on forever. And then it's, I mean, how much? Yeah. I'll do, I'll do one yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, what well, he has claimed that mm. this will be his last action film because he's getting a little old and it hurts to to do mm. this kind of stuff, especially at his advanced age. If you want one last hurrah before you're going back and rewatch all the Takens again. Make sure you check it out. Oh, he doesn't yeah. have the staying power of a Redford or a Eastwood, does he? <laughs> well, Eastwood also yeah. retired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he just likes love, actually. Yeah, maybe Those he just wants to do movies. more rom-coms. Yeah. Well, that's one person. <laughs> Carl's dead. Tell me what happened. He got mixed up with some drug dealer. Viking. He likes hurting people. What is it with all these nicknames? Speedo, Viking, Eskimo. It's a gangster thing. Did you have a nickname? Wingman. Wingman. I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing a film that's set in the snow. <laughs> you don't see it that much because yeah. I guess it costs money. But <laughs> all I can think of is James Bond. James Bond seems to be the only movies that are ever set in snow because they have the budget to drive around on the frozen lake. And um, Snow Dogs? <laughs> Didn't see Snow Dogs, to be fair. And also Eight Below with Paul Walker, the two yeah. rival Snow Dog movies of that year. Well, see, this is it's rare to see a film set in snow. You, you're right. There's something like aesthetically really interesting about, like, especially I think crime movies. Again, Fargo set in the snow. Yeah, exactly. Wind River from a few I'm years not, ago. I, like, yeah. it sounds funny. I'm serious. Like, this, <laughs> I think movies set in snow, yeah. there's some sort of intrigue about them. And it's almost mm. like they add a bit of whimsy to a really grim <laughs> crime story. You and know? blood yeah. shows up on snow really well. That's true, yeah. yeah. And humans are just funny in snow. <laughs> like, you've got to sort of stomp around and move it and yeah, you, you can't, can't drive anywhere. You can't really and... have a chase scene, can you? You'd be yeah. like sludging through the snow. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, actually, fun. there is that scene in this movie where uh, Liam Neeson is driving the snowplow and there's a car <laughs> and they get stuck in this, you know, those the where the well. walls yeah. of ice oh, go up. If you yeah. don't think he kills people with a snowplow, you are <laughs> very severely mistaken. <laughs> so who should see this film? I think for people who liked all the, the movies that we've talked about, Taken and that, but with just something a little edgy, something different to it. And if you normally find that like the Liam Neeson films are a bit much, give it a go because it's got this really playful, weird sense of humour to it that I was a little sick of those movies and this kind of like reinvigorated. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question, What is the best Liam Neeson movie? Does the Chronicles of Narnia count because he voices Aslan? I think it's either Cobra Suit or, or Schindler's List. Answer that question, leave the hashtag The Cinema Crew and you can win the tickets. Next week, the Mel Gibson flick What Women Want has been flipped and with Mel Gibson nowhere in sight, we're getting What Men Want. Titanic and Avatar director James Cameron has written a new CGI fest he wants us to love into a franchise. Although it does star Oscar winner Mahershala Ali and I love him so I'm still quite interested in Alita, Battle Angel. Oh, this one. This looks horrific. I haven't seen the trailer. The screenshot put me off. So tune in next week to hear me wait quietly in the room next door as these two discuss Happy Death Day to you. And Barry Jenkins eventually made it onto the Oscar stage when his movie Moonlight beat La La Land halfway through the La La Land acceptance speech to the best film at the Oscars a couple of years ago. Can he do it again with his new film, If Beale Street Could Talk? Anyway, that's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thank you. I'm Karen Wheatley, and we'll see you, at the very least you'll hear us, next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.